All right, let's prepare our hearts to the Word of God today. I have to go to 1 Chronicles 21, verse 1 through 6. And it says, Satan rose up against Israel and caused David to take a census of the people of Israel. So David said to Joab, the commander of the army, take a census of all the people of Israel from Beersheba in the south of Dan in the north and bring me a report so I may know how many, everyone say how many, so I may know how many there are. But Joab replied, May the Lord increase the number of his people a hundred times over. But why, my Lord, the king, do you want to do this? Are they not all your servants? Why must you cause Israel to sin? But the king insisted that they take the census. So Joab traveled throughout all of Israel to count the people. Then he returned to Jerusalem and reported the number of people to David. There were 1.1 million warriors in Israel who could handle a sword and 4,700,000 in Judah. But Joab did not include the tribe of Levi or Benjamin in the census because he was so distressed at what the king had made him do. Let's pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that we be still in your presence, that you would bless this word. And Lord, speak to our hearts today. Lord, that we may leave here today never the same. And use me today to preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we get into this word today. I was reading this passage this week. And it came to my mind that David committed this huge sin. And let's be honest, when we think about King David and the greatest sin he's ever committed, everyone gravitates to Bathsheba and the adulterous relationship he had and the murder he committed. But that is not the only great sin that David committed. The Bible says that David committed a big sin when he took a census and decided to count the people. It was such a serious sin that the Bible says that God would send a plague and he killed over 70,000 people as a result of David's decision to count the people. And as I read that, I thought to myself and asked, Lord, why is it such a sin? What was it that was so bad that David did? All he did was count people. But the Lord was angry with David. And the Lord caused over 70,000 people to die. Now, when David took a census, a lot of people don't even realize this, but David counted the men for a particular reason. The particular reason was in verse 2 and 3. Let's read this together. The Bible says David sent Joab and the commanders of the army to take a census of all the people of Israel, to count the people. 
of Beersheba in the south of Dan and in the north, and to bring a report so I may know, notice what David said, so that I may know how many there are. And Joab warned him, and he replied, he says, May the Lord increase your number. Say that with me. May the Lord increase your number. One more time. May the Lord increase your number. You see, David, he counted the men because he was afraid. He was afraid that he did not have enough men. And if he did not have enough men, he would not have enough power. And if he did not have enough power, he would not have enough strength. And if he did not have enough strength, he could not accomplish what God had called him to do. So David was afraid and David was discouraged because David felt he did not have enough. And David, because he was so afraid of the number he was counting and how little he thought he had, he did not depend on God to increase the number. And Joab told him, if you're so afraid of the number, God could supply it. If you're so afraid and discouraged because of how little you have, David, God can add the number. But see, by David counting the men, he had a sense of pride to say, I'm not going to trust in God to fix this. I'm not going to trust in God to add the numbers. I'm not going to rely on God to help me. In my own pride, I'm going to fix it myself. I'm going to take life into my own hands. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to fix the problem. I don't need God right now. I need to count the men so that I can add the men. And Joab was telling him, David, trust in God. Stop relying on your own pride and your own strength and your own wisdom to count everyone and make it happen. He said, if the Lord needs more men, the Lord will multiply. And I read this and I was convicted because I wonder how many of us, we take it upon ourselves like David in our pride to not rely on God. And we look at our lives and we look at what we don't have and we look at the problems in our lives and we say, you know what? I'm going to make something happen. I'm going to do it. I got this. And you make it into your own life and plans to make something happen. But see, David failed to rely on God. David failed in his fear. And in his discouragement, he had a sense of pride to say, I'm going to change this. I'm going to number the people because I want to know how many people I have. David's strength was not in the Lord. David's strength was in numbers. Let's think about this. Because there's a common phrase that we believe. There are strength in what? Numbers. What a lie from the enemy. There are strength in numbers. And if you don't have the numbers, you don't have the strength. The lie is there is strength in numbers. So because 
We have a small church in number right now. Look around you. A small number of people are here in the church. Are we to say that we don't have a strong church? Are we to say that God can use this church? Are we to say that God can bless this church because it's just a small number of people? You see, the strength is not in numbers. The strength is in the Lord. But David forgot that. And notice in verse 1, the Bible says that Satan was behind this. Satan rose up against Israel and tempted David to count. Notice this. That one of the devil's greatest plans for you and for me, for all of us here, is to be, to get us to a place where we are self-dependent. Where we rely on ourselves and our strength and our power and our ability to fix our lives. And one of the strategies that Satan uses to do that is to control you and I by numbers. Numbers dominate our lives. And too many people, we don't rely on God anymore. We rely on numbers. And I thought this was the strangest sermon I've ever preached because I said, how am I about to preach on numbers? But then I realized a lot of us, we rely too much on numbers and not enough on God. And like David, we rely more in the strength of our numbers of men than we do God. And David said, I need to know how many. Tell me the numbers so that I know I'm strong. Tell me the numbers so that I know I'm powerful. Tell me the numbers so that I have security. Tell me the numbers so I'm not afraid or discouraged. And this is what we do with God. We say, I need to know the numbers. But see, the strength and security you should have is not in the numbers, but in God. But so many people are enslaved by a number. And there is so much power in numbers. And that's why the devil loves it. It affects our livelihood. Let me give you some examples to prove to you that you are controlled by numbers. You open up your bank account. What do you see? A number. Does the number you see frighten you? Amen? So when you see a little tiny number, if you don't even see a comma, I mean, you haven't seen a comma in a while because you're paycheck to paycheck, that little number rules your life. That little number in your little tiny bank account says, what are we going to do? How are we going to survive? Things are getting expensive. How are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to eat? How are we going to make rent? And you are ruled by a number. But see, you can go to that same bank account and you see a real large number. What do you say to yourself? I got this. No worry about bills. No worry about food. Because look at the number in my bank account. You see how we're ruled by a number? Did you notice now as we get ready for the elections, all you see is numbers and polls? 
and post for Biden and post for DeSantis and post for Trump. Listen, all of us should learn, pose our lies. And God is the one that puts someone in position. So we focus on the numbers. We focus on inflation. Oh my gosh, things are getting exposed. Oh, 8% inflation. And you're freaking out for 8%, but you don't remember who God is? You look at your 401. And you see it going down. That number 401 is now your God. It's all you do and think about. It's all you say for. It's all you put into. Because you don't even realize God can blow and you're dead and you don't even make it to retirement. But 401 dominates. There's a lot of parents that take a sense of pride because they look at their kids' GPA. It's a 4.0. My kid's in the honor roll. Your kid, other kid, can't even spell honor roll. <laughs> and I know because I had one honor roll brother and the other brother. <laughs> I missed twin. We were the same. But see, we can brag about our children because they have a 4.0 GPA or whatever. And then the same GPA, you look at your other kid and his is way low. And you say, God help him. But what are we going to do about him? Billy is dumb. We got to pray for little Billy. Because we're ruled by a number. Here's another proof. Single in your 20s. All the people say, yeah, I'm single. I'm 20, yeah. Single in your 40s. You're like, uh-oh. <laughs> the same person that was bragging about being single in their 20s is now freaking out because they're 40 and can't find nobody. We're so excited. Birthdays, 15, 18, 21. Nancy told me yesterday, and then my birthday's coming. How old are you going to be? She goes, I stopped counting. She said, you stopped counting after 60. But think about it. You step on the scale, you've been on a diet for months, and you gain two pounds. Can I get a witness? Those two pounds are enough. The number two on that scale is enough to get you to quit, run to Chipotle's, binge go crazy. Because you're dominated by a number two. When the doctor, you sit down with the doctor and they give you a health report, it's all numbers. And this is low and this is high. And, and they tell you it's cancer and what's the question you have? How long? A number. How long? Six months? One year? Five years? How long? Numbers dominate our lives. Numbers can dominate our church. Whenever I go to a conference and I'm around all these pastors, they don't ask, how are you, David? How's it going? Every, you know what the first thing they ask? What you running now? How many people do you have? How many people does your church have? Because we're thinking that numbers give us strength, but it's God that does. We think about the square footage of our house, the horsepower of our car. How many followers do I have? See, what I'm getting to is that numbers dominate my life a little bit too much. And I wonder if numbers dominate you like they did David. Because throughout the Bible, 
people that made a mess of their life were dominated by numbers and not God. Numbers ruled their life and not God. Abraham was 75 years old when God paid him a visit and told him, you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to have a son. Can you imagine that God himself visits you? Let's just put this into a perspective we can understand. If God comes to visit you, it doesn't matter what he says, because you are able to see the God in front of you, it should be amazing. Amen? And God visited him and said, Abraham, you're going to have a son. What's the first thing Abraham said? How? I'm 75. 75 was the number he gave God. But then he said, okay, God, I'll believe you. I'm old. My wife's an old hag. But hey, we're going to have a child. Let's have a baby. Let's do it. But then God took too long, and he noticed it was 10 years. Everyone say 10. 10 years passed. And ten now dominated his life. And said, God's not going to do this. So he took it in his own pride. He did the numbers. And said, God's not going to do it. And in his own pride, he slept with his servant Hagar and made a mess of his life. See, that's what happens when numbers dominate your life and God doesn't. You take pride into it, and you take it into your own hands. Jesus told his disciples, feed the people. There were 5,000 men, 20,000 including women and children. The disciples told Jesus, how can we? We don't have enough. They gave Jesus the numbers, five and two. Divide that by 20, we're starving, Lord. But see, what's amazing is that Jesus multiplied the five and the two from a little boy's lunch that wasn't even counted because God is letting you know while you're in your own pride thinking, how am I going to provide? How am I going to make this happen? God's going to do it in ways you never counted on, but you're here thinking it relies on you. And you're telling God the numbers. Lazarus was dead for four days. And when Jesus showed up in their pride, they said, Lord, it's been four. Four was the number. Lord, it's been four days. Had you been here sooner? They're telling Jesus what to do. Does that sound like us? Had you been here sooner, he would not have died. You should have been here at the time. What's time? A number. You should have been here at the time I told you. And numbers ruled their lives. But when Lazarus came out of the grave, Jesus demonstrated, I don't care about that number four. When I say Lazarus, get up, he gets up because I am. The numbers dominate your life. You keep thinking about how many years, how much you weigh, how long it's been, what my test score was. Numbers should not dominate your life. God should. Elijah woke up to 10,000 plus soldiers ready to kill him and his servant. It was two against 10,000. 
The odds were against him. But see, Elijah prayed and said, Lord, help my servant see how many you have against them. See, it doesn't matter if the odds are against you because you're staring at that number and you're saying the odds of me being successful, the odds of me doing it, the odds of me accomplishing it are zero. And God said, zero, that's a number. And I'm not dominated by numbers. And Elijah saw the mighty army of God conquer them. I think we're so dominated by numbers. I'm going to leave church service this morning, I promise you. And I'm going to say, oh my God, it was only 30. <laughs> only 30. And then mom's going to call me with a financial team. Oh, we only made this much. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay rent? And, and numbers, and people, and numbers, and money, and what? And I forget that God Himself called me to preach and plant this church. And God's going to do it. But we get so dominated and controlled by numbers. Adam was a man that was single, the only one in the world, and he started counting the animals. The Bible says it. As he began to name the animals, not one suitable helper was found. He took it upon himself. I'm going to find me a girl. Instead, he got animals. That's dating people. That's dating. He went to sleep, woke up, and there she was. Because God was letting him know, I'm not dominated by a number. I don't care if there's not a single girl in this world. If I have to make you one, I will. We're so controlled by numbers. And while we're so busy counting our problems, we forget to count on God. You you have counted God out because you're counting so many problems in your life. See, God was angry. And He plagued Israel with 70,000 people. I said, Lord, that's a little much. Why? Because here's what David failed to do. Look at Exodus 30, 12 through 16. Whenever you take a what? A census of the people of Israel, each man who is counted, you must pay a ransom for himself to the Lord. Then no plague will strike the people as you count them. See, God was not mad at the census. God said, if you, if you pay, if you do a census in order to avoid a plague, every person you count give a ransom to the tent of the Lord, the tabernacle, where people went to sacrifice and worship and be in the presence of God. You know what God had commanded in Exodus? Whenever you take a census, make sure every person you count, you give a percentage, a ransom to the Lord. Why? Because that census, whenever you did a census, whatever you counted, it was a sign that it belonged to you. 
But see, by God saying, every person you count, I want you to pay a ransom for them so that they would know that whatever they're counting actually belongs to me. That's why God can say to us, we belong to him because Jesus was our ransom that paid for us. But see, David didn't do that. David just counted the men, paid no ransom. So he was telling God in his pride, I'm counting these men, Lord, because these men are mine. I got this. And he failed to invest in the Lord. Here's a real sin that many people in the church aren't even aware that they're under. Like David, we're so caught up in our lives and busy and counting and distracted by numbers that we have failed to truly invest in God. When God said, I want you to count everyone and every person you count, pay a ransom and get that money and send it over to the tent, the tabernacle, where everyone worships and gives sacrifices and gives their closeness to God, God was saying, everything belongs to me. And I want you to be invested in me. But David was no longer invested in the Lord. He was only invested in the men that he was counting. And he forgot to count on God. See, when I read that, I realized that maybe, just maybe, we realize we're not even doing this very sin. That we're so caught up in this life. We're so caught up counting and doing everything we need to count on. And people are counting on me. And I'm counting on them. And I got this many bills, this many problems. I have to do this at work. I have to meet this quota. And we're so dominated by numbers that we have stopped investing in God. And investing in God, investing in the kingdom of God is more than just money. Investing in the things of God is with all the busyness of your life and everything that you're counting on. You need to invest in the Word of God. Investing in the things of God means that throughout the day, you spend time in the Word of God. Investing in the things of God means you spend time in prayer. Because that's what the tent of the tabernacle was. is where you went to pray. It's where you went to search for God. It's where you gave sacrifices. It's where you served. It's where you worshiped God. But you see, by David counting the men and not even going to the tent of tabernacles, he was telling God, I'm too busy to count. I don't have time for you, Lord. Investing in God means I invest in the Word. I invest in prayer. I invest in coming to church, fellowshipping with my other brothers and sisters. I'm counting Monday through Saturday. I'm busy, but Sunday is the day of the Lord's. And I'm going to church because I'm invested in the kingdom of God. You're serving. You're learning. You're praying. You're reading the Bible to your children. Why? Because you are investing in God. But David didn't do that. 
my honest opinion was that if David had to pay a ransom from 1.7 million people, that's a lot of money, amen? And in my mind, I think David knew he had to invest in God when he did that census. But I realized that David must have thought, but Lord, that costs too much. You know you're in trouble when the things of God cost you too much. I'm preaching good today. When you're in a place where you say, no, it costs too much to go to church today. It's going to cost too much to tithe. It's going to cost too much to join that ministry and serve. It's going to cost me too much time, too much money, too much ever. It's going to cost me too much. And David wasn't willing to pay the ransom because I believe it costs too much. But David didn't realize the cost it would cost him. That 70,000 plus people would die. See, all of us think that it's It costs too much to serve God. It costs too much to be obedient to the Lord. But you don't realize the higher cost is not serving God. The higher cost is not being obedient. The higher cost is not serving the Lord in worship. The higher cost you will pay. You will not be even willing to pay. Had you realized I should have just paid the price and followed the Lord. Too many people are saying it costs too much to invest in the Lord. David didn't realize it would cost him 70,000 people. And here's the interesting thing. God caused the plague to kill 70,000 people. And he started taking people away, left and right. And I said, why, why would the Lord do that? Because God was teaching David a lesson we need to learn today. It's very difficult. You guys ready? What was David counting? People. How many people do I have? People. Count the people. 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 One, people. Two, people. Three, people. People. Counting people. What did God do? Took people away. Why? Because God is telling David, the very thing you're counting on right now, I can take away in a second. That, that very thing that's taking me, that's taking you away from me, I can take away from you. That very thing that's taking you away from serving me, from being obedient to me. I can take it away. Why? Because it belongs to me. You know, in our pride, like David, we think that everything belongs to us. We say, this is my house. This is my car. These are my kids. This is my job. Listen, you only have that because God allowed you to have it. But God said, if that very thing that belongs to me that I gave to you is going to keep you away from me, I'll just take it away from you. It's so amazing that the very things we count on to give us joy and pride and security, the very things that we look for for value, our job, our house, our relationships, our money, our kids, our education, all of that that keeps us away from God 
actually belongs to God, and God says, I can take it away from you. Because the Lord gives and the Lord takes. So be careful when you say, I can't, the cost is too much to go to church because I got too much work today. Be careful when you say, I, I, I can't serve today. I, I can't be there because I got to cut the grass and I got to do this and I got to do that. The Lord can say, oh yeah? Take it away. Everything that keeps you away from God, God can take away from you. But in our pride, we think, no, no, no. I earned this. I did this. I work hard. I got the education. I got the degree. I got the house. I got the kids. I got this. I got that. And God said, you got that because of me. And the very people that David was counting, God began to take away. And maybe this is a warning for someone here. That there's something you've been counting on too much that's keeping you away from God. And Satan was behind it. Satan was behind this terrible distraction because the devil does not want you investing in the Lord. Let's just be real. The devil does not want you. See, the devil didn't care that David counted the men. What the devil, what the devil cared about would, would be if David would get the ransom and invest it into the Lord and into the tent of the tabernacle. Do you realize that there's a devil that's real and alive that wants to keep you from investing in the kingdom of God. That's why the second, it always happens, Saturday you wake up, everything's good. The day you said, tomorrow kids, we're going to church, something has to happen. That tempts you not to go. The second you sit down to read your Bibles, okay, Lord, I'm focused, I'm ready. That's when the phone rings or the kids knock at the door, mommy, 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 because the devil doesn't want you invested in the things of God. And if I could be bold enough to say this, I believe the devil's winning. Because too many people are counting on the world, counting on themselves, counting on everything but God, and they're no longer invested in the things of God. Can we go further? Can I really, can I give you a Holy Ghost poke right now? Preach, thank you. Ready? Because I thought this would be fun. Let's all take a census. Let's take a census. Let's, let's get a number. How many of you this week spent at least seven hours in the Word of God? Pastor, that's a lot. Buddy, that's one hour a day. Anyone? 
Okay. One one liar, okay. <laughs> no, no, let's take a real sensitive. No, I know mom does. She wakes up every morning, I know. <laughs> I love you, mom, sorry. How many hours did you spend on TV? Woo! But pastor, I don't have time. Yes, you do. Because you have a little tabernacle set up called Netflix. I got to catch up on my show. Oh, yeah, did you see the episode? Oh, yeah. You know what? Why, why don't we get excited for God's word? Oh, yeah, did you read this? Oh, look at this. God killed 70,000 people with one angel. Wow, that's better than any episode you can see on Netflix. But how many, let's take a census. How many of you spend at least 10 hours this week in prayer? And food doesn't count. I know you. For food, for prayer, and prayer. How many times, how long did you really spend on your knees praying? Okay, I want to get real, real. Can I get real, real? How many of you spent at least 30 minutes this week praying for your pastor? One, two. I'm in trouble. Oh my God, the devil. No wonder the devil has me. How many people did you reach today, this week, for Jesus? One. How many people this week did you invite to church? Oh, Lord, please grow the church. Lord, please bring the people. God says, uh, I can't because you don't even bring the people. How many scriptures have you memorized? How many dirty songs do you know by heart? Come on, you can't quote songs, but you can quote Taylor Swift and Beyonce and all that other garbage out there. You can sing it from end to end. But give me one verse. Uh, and God's like the world that he... Uh, take a census. This month, last month, let's just say last month, how much? How, how much? I, I'm going to say it because it's, it's real. How much did you tie to forward? God says 10, 10% goes to the church, goes to me. How many tithes last weekend? Two weeks ago. How many were the last? You can't even think about the last time you tithe. Be honest. Now, how much money does Amazon have from you? Look at your credit card statements. How much garbage have you invested in? But you're not invested in God. You know what the problem is, church? We can count on the Lord. You say, Lord, I can count on you to be there. I can count on you to be faithful. I can count on you to provide. But see, I think the real question is not can we count on the Lord, but can the Lord count on you? Can the Lord count on you to live with integrity when you go to work? Can the Lord count on you to be faithful? Can the Lord count on you to be a testimony? 
Can the Lord count on you if you're at a grocery store and the Holy Spirit tells you, buy the groceries behind you? Can the Lord count on you to do it and not, oh, but are the number, the inflation is, I can't do it, Lord. Can you, can the Lord count on you when he says, do it? You know why there's no revival today? Because the Lord can't count on his church anymore. But what if we had a church that said, Lord, you can count on us. But we don't. You know why? Because if the Lord cannot count on you, that means the devil can count on you. And you know, the devil can count on you to be a bad testimony. The devil can count on you to get angry and ruin the birthday party. The devil can count on you to bring strife to your home. The devil can count on you not to obey the Lord. The devil can sure count on you to live like the world. The devil can count on you not to come to church. When it comes to the devil, he can count on you not to pray and read the Bible with your children. The devil can count on you. Did we pass the census? There's a problem, church. And while David was so busy counting, he was not counting the Lord and investing in the tent, investing in the tabernacle. And I'm tired of the devil looking at us and saying, I can count on you. I can count on you to gossip and bring strife to the church. I can count on you to be selfish. You want to really see God move? Say, Lord, you can count on me. I'll rely on you. See, it's easy for us to say, I rely on God, but you really don't. How do you know you truly rely on God? Ask yourself, am I invested in the things of the Lord? See, David in his pride did not trust in God. And one of the signs that David did not trust in God is when he did the census, he did not even invest into the tent, into the meeting, into the Lord. See, when you truly rely on God, you say, Lord, I need time with you. I need prayer. I need time in the Word. I need to learn the Bible. I need to be in church. I need to serve. Why? Because I just need you, Lord. But if you're living a life that's casual and, ah, you know, if I can, if I, I don't know, constant, listen, the devil is counting on you. Let me close with this. You guys okay? God was so angry that he sent a plague to kill 70,000 people. Can you imagine that David what he felt knowing that because of his pride and his lack of investment to the Lord and his ability not to rely and trust on God, many people were dying because of him. And I wonder how many people around you are going to die without Jesus because you are too little invested in the Lord. And we sit here and we say, Lord, I rely on you, but the Lord can't rely on us. 
So the plague kept killing everyone, 70,000 people in one day. 70,000. And in verse 15, God said this, and David said to God, I'm the one who called for this census. See, David is being honest with God, and he's saying, Lord, I'm confessing I did it. It was me. I am the one who has sinned, and I've done what's wrong. But these people are innocent, as sheep. What have they done? Let your anger fall against me and my family. But do not destroy your people because that's how angry God is. Then the angel of the Lord told God to instruct David to go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor. Notice what God said to David. If you're truly sorry, if you really are repentant, David, build me an altar. An altar is where you went to meet with God. An altar represented the presence of God. Are you building an altar in your life? Is there an altar in your home? Are you building a life that God says, my presence can rest here? And I'll give you the sum of the story for the sake of time. As David was going to build an altar, there was a man that went to David and said, David, don't worry. I'll build the altar for you. I'll get all the materials. I'll build it for you. You don't have to worry about a single thing. It was a great deal. But see, David said, no. I will not build anything for the Lord that hasn't cost me anything. See, David realized at that moment that there was a high cost to following God. And David was done with taking the easy way. And he built this altar to God and said, Lord, I'm sorry for the way I relied on my own strength. I'm sorry for not being invested in you. I am sorry for the things I've done. Lord, I've taken a census of my life and I do not invest in you like I should. And in my pride, I have too much control over my life. And in my pride, I think that I got this. And in my pride, Lord, I have forgotten you. But David repented and he built an altar to God and he would be willing to serve God at any cost. And when David built the altar, God told the angel of death that was killing 70,000 people, stop. That's enough. I love what verse 15 says. Put verse 15 up there for me. And God sent an angel to destroy Jerusalem. But just as the angel was preparing to destroy it, the Lord relented. Listen to me. Just when God was getting ready to destroy everything, He relented. That word relent literally means to hold back out of mercy. Why did God hold back and relent? Because He was giving David one more chance before everything was destroyed, to come back to Him and build an altar. And I'm here to tell someone this morning, the Lord has relented, but He will not relent forever. And He has given you the chance 
before everything is destroyed for you to come back to him and say, Lord, I will build an altar in my life to you. I will live sacrificially for you. I will live without cough for you, Jesus. And the Lord in his mercy should have destroyed everything, but relented to give David a chance. And today that chance is yours. Let's all stand to our feet today. You're here this morning, you're saying, we all failed the senses. Don't take that lightly. Don't take it as a laughing matter. The senses we took in our church should show you why God can't bless you. Why God can't move in your life. Why God can't use you. Why everything's so hard. Everything's being destroyed. But the Lord has relented in His mercy because He's given you the chance to say, will you count on me now? Because you're counting on your strength. You're counting on your wisdom. You're counting on other people. You're counting on this government. You're counting on your own power. But you have not counted on me. And if you have counted God out, God will do nothing until you come back to David did three things. He said, Lord, I sinned. He owned up to it. And it's time for you to own up to your lack of investment in the things of God. And say, Lord, I've sinned. And David repented. Because he allowed everything to distract him away from God. And maybe you're here today. You've been counting so much that you have forgotten God. You're so busy counting, you don't even pray anymore. Church is not even on your mind throughout the week. You don't spend time in the Word. Maybe you're here today because God is saying, I've relented, but I will not relent forever. And I could have destroyed everything in your life, but I didn't, God said. Because I'm giving you the opportunity to repent and turn to God. And today, this is your opportunity to truly repent and turn back to the Lord. So David built an altar. So I'm calling you forward to this altar today. If you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I needed this today. Because in my pride, I have turned from God. I'm counting everything, my problems, my money, my stress. I'm counting every day. And I didn't realize in all my counting, I have counted God out. I'm too busy. I'm too distracted. I got so much going on. I have counted God out. But God has a way of bringing you back by making things so much harder on you and destroying your life to say you are where you're at because you have no longer been invested in me. And it's time to humble ourselves. The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due time He will lift you up. And as David built an altar to God and worshipped Him one more time and gave sacrifices to Him, the Lord blessed him. Continue to use Him. Finish what He started in David. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, Hear the prayers at the altar today. You come forward this morning, church, if you're here and saying, Lord, I'm building an altar to you today. Don't be shy. I've been distracted. I've been busy. 
I've been counting. Numbers rule my life. But Lord, I need you to rule my life today. You come to this altar today. You pray to this Lord here. Say, Lord Jesus, I've sinned against you. I have counted you out. Forgive me. My life is in chaos. But I thank you. Would you thank the Lord for his relentless love? Thank you, Jesus, because you could have destroyed me a long time ago. You could have taken it all away from me, Lord, but you haven't because in your mercy, you are giving me the chance to build an altar to you again. So in your heart, say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for the things I allow to take me away from you. And today I want to count on you one more time. And if you're bold enough to pray this, I challenge you to pray this honest to God prayer and say, Lord, in Jesus' name, you can count on me. You can count on me to follow you. You can count on me to serve you. You can count on me to obey you. You can count on me, Lord. Forgive me for not counting on you. And I humble myself. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that you take every prayer, every petition, every desperate call now at this altar. I pray, Father, in humility that we would rely on you again and forgive us for being ruled by numbers. Forgive us for not really investing in you, Jesus. And we humble ourselves today, asking you, Jesus, to lift us up again. In Jesus' name, devil, you can't count on them anymore. Come on, give God some praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Amen. Come on, give God some real praise today.